anyone can end up in a cult. Usually it's a point of crisis. Usually it's in a point of not knowing. Usually cults can take very young. The 20s are tumultuous and over 65. You know, people are saying, what was my life about? Oh my God, did I do this? What was I thinking? So they're looking for ultimate meaning. And this is where the cult comes in because you have a charismatic leader who puts an authoritarian rule. The individual gets merged into the collective. Whenever the collective is more powerful than the individual, you are now in a totalitarian dystopia. Cults basically have only two purposes, recruitment and money, because ultimately behind every cult is a big business. There's always a monetary machine behind it, but there's this, oh, we care for you in front of it. Barbara Ditlow, welcome back to the show. Great to be here, Wendy. I always appreciate conversations with you. <laughs> yes, I mean, so much demand for our first episode in human design. Um, and this one is going to tie in very nicely. Um, so I know you have experience, a lot of experience in cult interventions, mm -hmm. which is going to be the topic for today. And I would really love to understand how did you get into that? How, what brought you to mm -hmm. now want to pursue something like call interventions? It's such an interesting career path and career choice. Okay. It's, I'm going to give a bigger context to that question is that I was almost set up from birth to get into a cult. In other okay. words, if you look at your upbringing, you look at the enculturation that you grew up with, and then you begin to see what your final, you could say, your, your ultimate purpose is, all these little events fit together. And sometimes they're not really, you're not a happy camper in some of these mm -hmm. events and you get stuck there. And then the only way that you can extricate yourself is self-correction through self-analysis evaluation and saying, oh boy, I'm in trouble. I got to do something here. So it gets to that point where you have to reconsider your actions. So I was raised in a split environment. My parents they never, they were always together. They were married like 60 years. Uh, but one was a fundamentalist, absolute. This is absolute. And another, my father was a scientist. So you'd go to one parent and absolute, absolute. And the other parent was, I'm not sure about it. Let's explore this. So in my mind, there was always that dichotomy. But because my mother was a stronger one in the family, I was set up that they're absolutes. They're absolutes out there. So in my upbringing, I was designed to feel comfortable with a strong leader, my mother, and someone mm. who managed everything. So I got very used to it, but there was no interaction with her. It was her word because I said so. So I was, you could say, enculturated in a culture as a child that there wasn't any interaction because my parents had been through uh, the Spanish flu. Uh, the Depression, the income tax, World War One, World War Two, Korean War. So they were, you could say, shell-shocked. My mother lived in absolutes, and my father was more, let's explore. Okay. So I found that when I was in a very traumatic situation, which was a bad marriage, <laughs> which can be very traumatic for people, I wasn't sure how to get out of it. So I ended up in a new age cult. Now, for anyone to think the new age does not have cults in it, they should listen up and turn the dial up <laughs> because the new age is not random. It's designed to create an alternative religion 
that is very sophisticated in the way that it, it stimulates people from their best part of themselves, empathic nature, wanting to be someone else, wanting to improve themselves. Mm-hmm. And so they will find a charismatic leader, someone who they feel makes them feel special. That's the first red flag, special. So I ended up working with this woman who will just designate her as a woman. That's all I'm going to put in about the, the cult or anything. But she was someone who had a conceptual goal for all of us. You can experience, let's say, nirvana, enlightenment, or success in your business. That's a conceptual goal. It's in your mind. Your body may say, I want to go to the islands. I just want to sleep. I don't want to do this. But you feel out of aspirational longings, oh, I want to be someone different than who I am. And so you look out and say, who can help me? Oh, this person can give me this. This person can give me this. Or the cult can be very different. The cult can appeal to your guilt. You don't care for other people. If you don't do this, you're selfish. You're, you're just a small little worm. And, and it's through humiliation. And either way, and oftentimes that happens when a partner is not in a cult. And then they take the person in the cult and say, well, your partner's a little worm. He's not as enlightened as you. Because ultimately, behind every cult is a big business. It's a big business. And so basically, you could say a cult is this. One person has something, and the other person wants it. So it's, I have this, you want what I have, here's the price. So in any cult, there's always a monetary machine behind it. But there's this, oh, we care for you in front of it. So this monetary machine is often in the guise of once you're in the program, you've got to enroll other people. And it's an emotional enrollment at the end of the session. Like if you've really gained something from this, we can't do it without you. You're so special. Go prove and validate your faith and your your competency. Or you don't want to fail this stage. You want to go out there and go out and prove yourself or else you're not going to be in the group. So you see you have a charismatic leader who has something that you want. Or, <laughs> I don't want to put it, behind the mask of the leader that has something that you want is a totalitarian, fascist, uh, seductive manipulator who gets off on entrapment, who is empowered by vampirizing your feelings, your desires, and ultimately hand over your money, whether it's 10000 for this, 20000 for this. And it's interesting that I work with a lot of people and they'll say, well, I'm not charging enough. I said, well, what's your offer? You know, you can always go to someone who says you can improve by charging more, but if there's not the quality there, you're not going to sustain yourself. So what happens in a cult is it's a very slow process, a little bit here. You've got to get to the next level to clear yourself. Oh, try this new technology, and then you're going to be more clear. So there's kind of a drip campaign, but the rules are always changing. They're almost imperceptible in how they change. So it's like, shock, you're really, oh, you're an awful person. And then, oh, no, you're wonderful. These are your gifts. This is fine. And you begin to settle in comfort. And then, oh, no, you've got to get... The next stage, you've got to get rid of this. You've got to get rid of this. Give me this. Give me this. <laughs> Give me this, and then I'll take you to the next stage. So it's very subtle. The biggest problem with cults 
is arrogance because most people feel they're not susceptible to a cult. Most people say, how did that person get into a cult? And they get into, oh, they're so weak. How could they do this? And then the person who had been in a cult, they feel shameful. I can't tell anybody I've been in a cult. And yet there's a worldwide cult going on. And there are a lot of worldwide cults that go on. And one way you could say the cult of fashion. Oh, darling, you're wearing last year's style. You need to wear this. I can't believe you're in that style. So there's a cultivation of a personality and a certain look that is programmed that all of us as humans want to join. So the cults can be on a global level where we're all kind of following what we need to belong to the human race. Then there are religious cults. There are political cults. And there's also what I call money cults. The money cults are the most dangerous because you could almost say you have formulated that my idea of success is money, power, and fame. So you get in this leadership role or get behind a leader who's promising you a lot of money. But in order to get there, over time, your principles are slightly altered because you may believe in something that that uh, the golden rule, do unto others as you would have others do unto you. But then you learn that others are schmucks. You deserve to be empowered. So you can step on a little feet, but it takes certain people. This is a split in the cult. There's always the inner circle with the cult leader, and there are always the followers. The outliers usually are more self-empowered. They have more self-love, and they can see the strings of manipulation. Now, that usually comes from life experience or they met human design, <laughs> a little plug for human design, because yeah. human design is about personal empowerment. It's not following a leader. It's being your own authority. The reason I threw this in is when I came out of a cult and I'd been in and out of the same cult for seven years, but I was still working and functioning. You can be very functioning in the world and still be in a cult. And then I became a cult interventionist. This is your question. And I'll go into that. But right after that, I met Ra and Eckhart Tolle. And both of them are dealing with personal empowerment. It was very mysterious, incredibly powerful, and such a gift to go to descend into this, per, you could say, a perceptual entrapment, not soul entrapment. That's the final stage, grabbing your soul. But it's a perceptual entrapment. And then the little steps kind of eat at your soul and alter it. And then finally, they pull it out. And now you're perfect tool for this totalitarian uh, dystopian leader. So you get into this. And when I was coming out, I worked with Herb Rosedale of the American Family Foundation, who was who trained cult interventionists, and Dr. this other guy from Mount Sinai Hospital. And I had some deep training into first it was for me, because I said, how could I get into this? So I began to really study probably the best book that I would recommend anybody read is by uh, Scott Peck, and it's People of the Lie. He's better well known for The Road Less Traveled, but that didn't interest me. I really wanted to get deep into what evil was, and I'm going to call it spade a spade. We're in a dualistic matrix, and there's good and there's evil. There's also a transcendent experience, which is non-dualistic. But the cults operate, they can say we're non-dualistic, but the cults operate in this good and evil. And they usually wear the mask of good, but underneath it is entrapment. And I'm going to define evil 
as soul capture, taking away your connection with a higher intelligence and then putting a, a clay figure, a, an idol above you because each of us have a deeper connection. So you surrender your authority to someone. So when I got into cult intervention, it was amazing because I could feel all this rewiring of my brain. I had to go back to childhood. I had to see the patterns that were coming in. But most important is I understood the frequency of cults. So if we want to look at the quantum level, most of us are trained to live in our mind. Yes. This is where the danger is because we can be anyone. I don't care where you are in your life. Anyone can end up in a cult. Usually it's a point of crisis. Usually it's in a point of not knowing. Usually cults can take very young. The 20s are tumultuous and they over 65. You know, people are saying, what was my life about? Oh, my God, did I do this? What was I thinking? So they're looking for ultimate meaning. And this is where the cult comes in because you have a charismatic leader who puts an authoritarian rule. It's not, it's not so evident when you go in, but it slowly comes in. You could say it's, it's like the ratchet. Two steps forward, slap, one step back. Two steps forward, slap, one step back. So you're wonderful. You're learning techniques. And then, nope, you can't get to the next level unless you do this performance. And, oh, just have faith and trust, and we'll get you there. So that's how I got into it. And I got into it because I was a hot mess. And I realized that there's a psychological problem with me that was affecting my whole life. How could this happen to me? <laughs> yeah. And so the first step was I had to recognize it. And then when I would go into cult interventions, I would have to, you're like an attorney. You have to confront what beliefs they have and move them into even the possibility of questioning that their beliefs may not be correct in terms of their destiny. Now, we're not saying that you're not thinking right and your beliefs, you're not entitled to them. But in a cult, they change your beliefs and they make you feel that you need the leader, that you are disempowered by yourself and you need the charismatic leader or you need the government or you need, uh, you know, your friend or whatever, because friends can pull people into cults. That's how they enroll, yeah. that someone thinks more than you do about yourself. So what happened is I learned there's a whole level of frequencies in cults. So they appeal to the mind, but they manipulate the emotions. And once the emotions begin to get manipulated, we move into what we call trauma states. The trauma states are very powerful because you feel very safe. And then remember, you get the slap and then you get into trauma. And you're trying to apply the rules from the cult to alleviate your trauma. But those rules are not designed to alleviate the trauma. You have to pay more money or give more of your allegiance to the leader. And then they'll say, oh, we can alleviate your trauma. And then you can do this. There's usually a task that's given. Oh, you know, separate yourself, sleep in separate beds from your partner now. Because what happens is in a cult, they always, and this is key for any cult, world cult, spiritual cult, anything like this, they're going to demand, they're going to mandate. They're not going to suggest. They're going to mandate that you have to separate yourself from people that you love. Mm -hmm. must because they're not in the cult and so they isolate you and they isolate you by saying you know that friend that introduced you and left well they they just didn't have the gifts and the potential that you have so it's best not to associate with that person anymore 
snip. Okay, that relationship, the cord is cut. So now that energy that was being shared and let's say appreciated in that friendship, that energy is now directed toward the cult leader. So the more associations from your past that they can cut, the more divisions they can create in your life from this friend, this organization, this organization, you are more and more trapped. But also there's a psychological hook here. Psychological hook is you're better than the other people because you're getting to the next level of achievement. Oh my God, you're so much better. So remember the measuring stick is not I'm special. I mean, the measuring stick is I'm special. It's comparative thought and better than you. And of course, we're in a world where one religion says, I'm the true religion, you're not. Or the country said, I'm the best country in the world, you're not. Or I'm the best lover, you're not. So we're in comparative thought, which bottom line comes, I'm special and you're not. We're talking about uniqueness here as the life rope to get people out of a cult. So when I would do cult interventions, I would say, okay, what's unique about this person? And I had been trained previous to my to this as an intuitive healer, understanding energies and things like that. So I remember one, uh, I was in uh, Fairfield County in Connecticut, which is a very wealthy county. And I was doing some cult interventions there. Always money involved. You know, I'd be paid by families to get people out of cults. And the same pattern was there, is the uniqueness of the individual that I was working with was thrown out the window. That's the salvation of someone, recognizing you have a deep connection to a higher intelligence that wants to express uniqueness through you. No one else can commune in the way you do. But then that is thrown out, and they just want to be special because they're, they're, mm. <laughs> remember, they're the lowly worm. And so that uniqueness, they have nothing left. They need to have the feed from the leader of why they're special. In other words, they're in a trance. They're in a trance. They've been hypnotized. And we know that there's some organizations that professionally do that with agents within the organization that they use trauma and trauma-based, let's say, conditioning to absolutely control these people and certain pharmaceutical drugs. It's a bad combination, but it really, this is where I say you strip the soul out. The ultimate goal of a cult is strip the soul out so you're like a robot. Now, the key thing is, let's go back to frequencies. When I was working with this one woman, and she was from an ultra-wealthy family. Now, the reason I'm putting this here is that many ultra-wealthy families do not allow their children to have the struggles and trials that life offers to many people so they can become self-empowered. They're padded by money. And I'm not saying that's bad, but it gives you kind of a distorted world, uh, you know, view of the 99% of the world. And the reason it's important is because if you go into a cult and they know you have money, ooh, then they're going to know how to work you a little bit differently. They're going to give you special privileges. So they're going to make you feel really special. So then you can start paying into the cult and being a financial foundation for that cult. So I was working with this one woman and I had to just in the deconditioning just over time to say, find out what she really loved. And what she really loved was creative writing. And this was, we had a, we were doing this descent into deprogramming. I had the whole family there. And in the middle, it was too much because people remember this is very sophisticated cult programming because it's a promise. Oh, this will happen in three weeks. We're just going to do this. And then all of a sudden in three weeks, oh, well, things have changed. 
you kick the can down. It, it, it'll happen. Just wait. We've got a plan. Everything's set up. And then they begin to challenge common sense. Now, when people think common sense is common, I'm going to call it spiritual reality. <laughs> it's like, this is the reality. But they lose common sense. And they're in a world where you're saying, what? Everything is inverted. But they're political cults where they say, we really care for you but we're going to impoverish you impoverish you by taking your livelihood away. We really care about you. This is why in childhood, so many of us are so screwed up because we don't have the right guidance. And usually sociopaths, sorry to say, sociopaths, sadists, Machiavellians, psychopaths, they rise to the top. Because usually when you're empathic with other human beings, you have this inner that you have this potential to have this fail-safe mechanism that says I can't sleep with myself if I do this to the person I can't be cruel I can't delight in hurting other people and watching people die because of something I said or made them feel guilty about we have the extreme of that you know it goes all the way to sadism where you get off on hurting people and the reason you get off is because you don't have empathy and so I would say a commonality of a true cult is a leader's lack empathy. And, but here's the other thing. Let's talk about frequencies. People can simulate empathy and they go into gaslighting. Gaslighting means you're the problem. It's not me. You're the problem. But they simulate that they care. Now, for most people, if you've been in a cult and out of it and gone through what I call the deprogramming, the beauty of that is that you begin to feel the frequency you begin to feel the frequency of this feels like a cult. They're, they're asking things of me. There's something that doesn't feel right in my body. See, the cult can be successful only if it's controlling your mind because you're saying, I've got to do what it takes. I can go on the edge. I've got to be inside of this group. I've got to be special because this is my new family. Who do I go to? I go out and other people say, told you so. You're not my friend anymore. You rejected me. So they're isolated. And? No human being is an island. And so the one thing about a cult is also I call the vertical dynamics versus the broadband dynamics. So what does this mean? It means most in a cult, when you really get deeper and deeper, there's separation within the cult. You know, one person talks to the cult leader and says, well, you can't talk to this person. You can't talk to this person. So in order for a cult leader to maintain control, this is essential. They separate people. First, they separate you from your friends. And they separate you from people in the cult. It can be based on race. It can be based on, it was in the cult that I was. It was based on race. That's why I'm bringing this up. It can be based on econ economics. Well, blue blood, you're just a piece of trash. It can be based on that. A, you know, what we call a caste system. A caste system, which in a way is an economic cult, okay, over centuries. And then people are born into the belief that they're lesser or whatever. So it it separates people also based on intelligence. Well, they're really good at cleaning the kitchen or, or arranging chairs, but they don't have the intelligence that you have. So then you begin to see, I'm special because I'm smarter than this person, or I'm special because I'm wealthier than this person. I'm special because I'm the color purple today and everybody else who's pink does not. There's something wrong. They need to be destroyed. So even within the cult leadership, there slowly begins the inner circle that develops. And the inner circle 
I call them as the cats because the cats, remember, they're, you can't herd them. They're not really a cohesive group. They're, they're, they're going to maintain their power with the group leader. They're the ones that are, they're the ones that you have to go to first before you go to the leader. Now, mm-hmm. there are enlightened beings where, where this is less, but there's always this need, I need more, I need more, I need more, something outside of you rather than inside of you. So what happens is you, you're looking at division, this versus that, but in a cult, you have to look at the hierarchical, hierarchical level. Who's pulling the strings that is creating the separation from people in the cult so they can further their power by distributing favors? Mm-hmm. And they'll say to one person, if you sleep with me, then you get to do this. If you donate your car, then you can do this. Or I'll give you this. I'll give you this program for free. The other people are going to be 5000 but you're going to do it for free. There are all these favors. It can be money, it can be sex, it can be opportunities, but there's a buy-off. This is why I say any cult is financial. Any cult has finances behind it because they'll say, oh, we can't do anything without your support. Mm -hmm. And I was always, I never really thought much about cults, though, like, generally, I was just always under the impression that cults are religious, you know? So they, like, praise certain god or their own version of a god, and... I am, what I'm hearing from you is that not necessarily, necessarily. <laughs> cults in different places. So how, if you had to explain what a cult is in simple terms, what is this thing? The word gets thrown out, thrown, you know, away a lot. Like what is a cult? It's a process. I mean that you can have cult as a verb cultivation. So we talk about cultivation of something. So if you look at a cultivator, do you know what a cultivator is? Nope. <laughs> because of my age, I'm going to own my age. Because of my age, people had gardens because we were coming out of World War II. And during World War II, you were allotted butter, sugar, whatever, but you had to have your own garden. And my father had this acre garden with other members of our family because that's how you know, we survived. So there was this thing called a cultivator and you pushed it like a wagon, but it had a wheel on it. And then it had these very sharp, forks and you put that in the soil because the soil was hard but the cultivator breaks the soil up gets all these clunks and then you keep running the cultivator back and forth you don't have a gym membership if you work a cultivator because you're going to develop a six-pack and muscles unbelievably through the cultivator so the cultivator what is it doing it's ripping up the soil and refining it so it can receive the seed that you're planting for the garden. So mm-hmm. the cult is a process. You go in and there has to be a cultivation of your mind to say whatever you believed before isn't really helping you. That's why you're here. Mm-hmm. So they begin to just change your thoughts, cut your relationships, all of that. And then what happens? They seed your mind that, oh, this is how you're going to flower. This is a conceptual goal. This is how you're going to, you can get back to normal. You can, you can have the life that you've always wanted, but you've got to follow these steps. Mm-hmm. So you go through this, but you realize the destination is never there. See, because the, the reason I call it a process is because nobody jumps into boiling water. No, unless, unless you want to kill yourself. But over time, your body acclimates because it has this inner, you know, uh, homeostasis, uh, you could say, uh, 
calibrator. It calibrates the homeostasis within your body. So even if it's 30 below or 110, your body finds a place of balance. So a cult slowly is taking that balance out of you, that soul homeostasis, that soul quality of feeling connected to a power greater than any self-appointed, charismatic, totalitarian leader. Because if you said cult leaders, they're self-appointed. That's the other thing. They're self-appointed and claim to have a special mission in life. I came from the alien spaceship and I am I am better than human. So I have this royal decree or I came from this side of the tracks. I'm better. My parents are this. So I felt I felt the word of God and I have this ability to lead you to the promised land. And so they feel that they've been appointed or they have a special mission in life. So it's a process. So when you look at a cult, everybody's not in the same place. It's where do you start on the journey? How deep do you go? So in the cult intervention, the person that I was working with had only been in a cult for about six months. Her parents could see it. And so when I was working with her, I could still reach in and inspire her to connect to this incredible ability to write. So we're in this ice storm. It's too much. But before I say, you know, your second chakra, this, I said, you really, you're so gifted in writing. We talked about it. But then we went deeper in that deconditioning and then a wall because you see their triggers. Now, triggers are very important to understand. Triggers are emotional Molotov cocktails, grenades within a person that the emotions are so explosive that they, the reason is out the window. There's no way you can reason with them. Because now they're like this. They're like, what are you talking about? Or like, you are such, you're such a this, you're such a that. And they're trained to have emotional attacks on the people. But the leader never does that. The cult leader uses one of the little peons to take the jaws and devour that person or humiliate them in front of the group. Many different ways to humiliate within the cult. But the cult leader never does that. Doesn't want to get his hands or her hands dirty. She wants to keep the workings of the cultivation, the process of loyalty, 100% commitment, and that money flow coming in. Okay, So um, it's like oftentimes you go to therapists and you never get healed because you're paying their electric bill with every appointment. Okay, So that's not for all therapists, but some people it is because that's that's where they are. Yeah. And so what I'm hearing you say is that they they kind of break you down at some point but they don't start with that so could you how does that start because you kind of mentioned you know you know feel maybe loved and supported and understood before they like hit you with like something that you didn't expect so what is this psychological it's, thing they're doing what is this what's going on there it's emotional and psychological they know you know the in the united states uh darpa is focused very much on mind control through frequencies, through advertisement, through television. We're all controlled. Our conditioning of our upbringing, you know, the schools. Oh, you have to think this way or you're going to get a D on the test. Well, I, I have to think this way because I want to get an A on the test because I want to go here. So they change the rules. So what they start is, is emotion, emotion to lift you up to feel inspired. So when I was doing the cult intervention, I had to slowly tap into the emotional field and, and say, what are you inspired with? What are you inspired with? That's the first step. So they feel that there's a rope being handed to them that they can begin to pull out. 
most people can't get out of a cult if it's a really good one. And you can see when you're working with them that their eyes go back. It's in their eyes. You can see where there's something in their eyes where that trigger has released and they've, they've now compartmentalized in a different part of their brain where they're disassociating from you. And I can feel it in their frequencies as well. I can feel it in their body. I take a deep breath and then I move because in human design, because I'm a projector, I'm wide open. So I work a lot with frequencies. Other people are going to be different in how they work with people. A cult is basically, um, <clears throat> it's about recruiting new members and making money. So you can't put that up front. First step, mm -hmm. emotional and you feel you want to belong. I'm so tired of my family. They're the problem. <clears throat> Most therapists, your family is the problem. Get rid of them. This friend is the problem. You're perfect. Just so they do the same thing. Oh, you're going to experience this. And they create a community within the first day. They create excitement and anticipation that this is, you can realize the goal you've always wanted. Now, maybe you haven't known that you want this goal, but they tell you a goal that you want. Now, but that goal is going to switch. But what they do is they, emotions are the, ah, and then the slap is, you know, if you don't recruit five people, if you, if you don't commit and give 100% loyalty, then you are that lowly worm that we talked about. So they begin to set up, who are you? Are you this warrior going to go and do what it takes? Or are you this lowly worm over here? <laughs> you know, it's so funny. Richard Scarry, I love children's books. He did the, this book called What Do People Do All Day? And then, uh, you know, pig will and pig won't. But it's interesting. In the book, he always has what he calls a lowly worm. There's a little worm that appears in different places. And people in, in English, to be a lowly worm makes you squirm. And it's like you become the bait on a fish hook. I mean, there are a lot of things that we read in, but they'll use certain words in their presentation that can be triggers, emotional triggers. Like uh, people will say, when I was little, no one got divorced. Because if you got divorced, oh, you were outside of the cult that the family, the nuclear family was the primary thing. And it's not that that was bad, but that was the thought form that was there. When the 60s came in, the hierarchy said, we got to get rid of that nuclear family. So all of a sudden, through Hollywood, through speakers, through uh, music, they began to say, wait, this belief isn't going to work because we can't control you. We've got to move you in this direction. So this is, people cannot look and say, differences, you're different from me. They have to say, who's pulling my strings? When you're self-empowered and unique, no one's pulling your strings. You're, you're connecting to a different frequency that's guiding and helping you navigate through this because cults basically have only two purposes, recruitment and money. I don't care what anyone says. It's recruitment and it's about money. Whether it's on the global scale, you will have nothing and we will have everything. Or whether it's a partner who says, you're going to stay with me or I'm going to strip all your finances, you SOB. I mean, you know, it's like it is human. It is human to become, you know, powerful, but not empowered. See, a cult is cheap empowerment because you're stepping on the souls and the energy of other people. And so when I when I worked with people, I remember I worked with one, I went into one group and that this woman had embezzled money from them, had lied to them about a marriage, cancer, everything. They had been in the cult. This was the cult that I had been in. 
And in front of 45 people, there was evidence, evidence of all of this because this was so sophisticated, not one person left. You mean the cult leader, there was evidence that the cult leader had done all these things and there's a group listening to it. And, and it's I knew these people and they, 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 because they had given so much of who they were away to think that she was God, all powerful, that they had been weakened, that they couldn't leave. Who do I talk to? Who do I, who do I find out what I need to do? So you see the ultimate problem of a cult is that individual now has merged with the idea that this leader is their outer authority, is their authority. And again, another plug for human design. It's inner authority that we talk about. No one's an outer authority. And so members are expected, I would say, to be excessively zealous and unquestioning. This is it, unquestioning in their loyalty and commitment. And so this comes into, you're leaving? Then there's group humiliation. You're leaving? What do they do? How would they, if you start questioning this, how would they humiliate you now? Shunning. Shunning. Okay. Shunning. Now we know in primitive societies, if the shaman would give someone the bone, like the death bone, that person would go out of the community and within 48 hours they'd be dead. Because you see, the community was their identity. And there are many people that have to be in a community. Not there are quite a few people that are designed as individuals. They can do it on their own, they prefer it. But most people need that community. So they use community dynamics. Oh, you're leaving. Look at what you're doing to our community. You're so selfish. You're only thinking about yourself. You should stay in for the benefit of the whole. Mm -hmm. You're like, what? But once you're out of the cult, you see it. But once you're into this cult, you can't see it. And people will lose everything. They'll lose their money. They'll lose their partnership. They'll lose their children. But the big thing is what comes out is arrogance. Because they won't leave either because they can't. Or, or they feel superior to the people who have left because now they're at the next level of manifestation. And that person was too weak, the lowly worm, real simple. And then you've got people that once they get out of the cult, they look for other cults. It's, if I were to give a t-shirt for someone to walk in to see if something's a cult or not, wear a t-shirt that says, I will not comply. <laughs> wear them too. Wear it into a group, 10-month leadership program. Wear it anyway, because they're saying, we've got rules. Trust us, if you follow the rules and do everything we say, then you're going to get to the promised land. Yeah. So just as your protection, I, I will not comply. And then when someone says, you've got to bring in four members for this cult, you look down and say, oh, you look in the mirror and you say, oh, I will not comply. I'm not your sales arm. I'm not the one who's building your business. You know, this is this is very important because what happens is the the individual gets merged into the collective. Whenever the collective is more powerful than the individual, you are now in a totalitarian dystopia. That's what cults can become. And they can be a money cult, a new age cult. You know, as I said before, they can look all different ways. But the minute your individual uniqueness is subjugated to a group dynamic, put that t-shirt on. I will not comply. <laughs> I'm loving this. And the yeah. only reason I reached out to Barbara and I was like, we've got to talk about cults. 
because I feel like I was in a culty program, right? So let me explain. I enrolled in what's called, it was basically supposed to be a leadership training, a leadership program. On the surface, sounds good. It's supposed to be a four-month program. I left on day six. And there, from the very beginning, what I saw is a lot of use of NLP, which I had studied. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of emotional uplifting. And then you're like, you're this, you're that. You're like every single, like so much of that. And it's all about trust the process. It's for your, this is how you get to your whatever goal you had set for yourself. And I know there's enrollment, a part of it as well. And again, it's actually my, because I'm visiting my family right now and my family mentioned it. And I was like, no way. Cults are like a religious thing. Like that's, that was my first thing. It's like, no, this is like more mindset work. But again, that's when I came back that day and I was more like now observing. I'm like, okay, what's happening here? And then it just suddenly becomes so clear. I was like, oh my God, how did I? I, out of all people, <laughs> would get myself here because you don't subs- like you don't enter a cult because like I want to be in a cult. You enrolled in some sort of a, I enrolled in a leadership program. I know people enroll in, oh, I'm just want to do yoga, right? Yeah. I've heard those stories. They just go to do yoga. I just want to act like whatever so many different things and you suddenly end up there and the question always becomes is like how do intelligent driven people who have you know who think they would never somehow end up in a place like that end up there like what happens especially if they don't leave how do they get the control of your mind so quickly when you've been let's say you know capable of existing by yourself all this time because the, the techniques for enrollment are more sophisticated now. NLP, knowing how to do the final, the final drive. And you see, this is why I gave the image of the cultivator. Because when I was, when I was little, uh, my father would be there out in his t-shirt. Now, I was like two or three, but it was a memory. Just I was fascinated with this steel ripping through this tough soil. And we were by the Great Lakes. And we had a short growing season. And I was just fascinated how the soil changed from hard, resistant, was not going to take anything in, but just row after row, refinement and refinement. And that soil was just ready to take something in. And so remember, the leadership of the group is required to cultivate, first of all, the desire that he knows more than you, and then replace your beliefs. Now, remember, their beliefs. It's not your knowing. This is a key. See, the beliefs with their values. But if you know yourself at a very deep level, which this was perfect for you, Vendi, because you were in the experience, you didn't get lost in the experience. You experienced the patterning of control. And so this was an incredible experience for you because you'll see this pattern of control now used in a personal level. For example, I have a very good friend who got married and all of a sudden her husband said, you can't have any friends. It's a cultivation of your partner, go by their rules, or the cultivation of the school or the college. Well, if I'm in a, if I'm at a college over here in the U.S., I have to think according to this narrative or else I'm going to get censored. Okay. So, so you could say m- members are manipulated because they now no longer have their own value system. So they replace different values too. So usually, let's go back to the golden rule. Thou shalt do not do unto do unto others as you shall have others do unto you. 
But how do you do unto you? How do you do unto you? Are you abusive to yourself? Do you hate yourself? Are you on drugs? Have you had a traumatic childhood? Well, then the cheap empowerment is all of a sudden you say, I'm going to repeat that abuse that was given to me to others. I feel that I'm called. I have all these things. And oftentimes they then become cult leaders who empower themselves by being the abuser, but they don't, they, they shut their feelings down. I mean, there's so many variations, but the human condition is this. We are vulnerable to programming. We know that. And the hubris comes. I love Greek mythology because it has key psychological <clears throat> stories of the Greek heroes and the myths that can be interpreted psychologically in today's day and age. And one is hubris. You know, the pride goeth before the fall. I'll never be in a cult. I'm not in a cult. Tell someone they're in a cult. Oh, I'm not in a cult. I'm not in yeah. a cult. Yeah, I mean, that's what I said. I was like, no, excuse me. <laughs> Who are you talking to? I'm Bendy. Okay, so tell me what happened in your mind and your body when your parents first told you that, and then all of a sudden you had to reconsider, and then your eyes and your body experienced a different way of seeing. See, this is all about how are you seeing and experiencing something. I think I more went into an explanation of like mindset work, because I think that's what people went there for. And I was like, listen, this is, and I know we're using NLP there. And I was like, I explained how NLP works. I know, like, I saw that. I mean, that was obvious because we definitely use that. Um, and I was like, well, there is benefits of why you would do those things. Because NLP is just a tool. Everything is always just a tool, right? It depends who uses it. And if it's used for better or for worse. And we just kind of had that conversation probably like for like two hours. And like, then my parents calmed down. They're like, yeah, I kind of get it still don't like it still feel very fishy but like not as like worried and then that's why I just entered back the training and like the last whatever six hours left of the training because those are super long days like they literally consume you like they consume you it's 12 hour days plus like let's say homework on top of all of that like basically you're there like every single day like not but like three times four times a week like they consume your life and I was just more like I just had that seed planted and I think that's all you need and I was like, huh. And I'm just like observing. I was just there. Like, I'm just like seeing it all differently of like what's happening. And um, yeah. And then I was like, you know what? I might be. <laughs> you know what? This actually, because there were, and again, there were elements, let's say from exercises where I was like, you know what? This is actually, this was helpful. And there were other exercises that had like no effect on me. And I was like, what I what did I just pay for? Like, this is doing nothing for me. Yeah. Um, so I was on a, and you are like immersed in a community, partnered up with people to make sure they don't leave. Um, you don't leave. And from the, like, I think on day two or day three, I was already like, I don't know. Like I was already there. And then people like talk you off, off the edge, right? And I was like, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. And then I was like, okay, whatever. Cause I had that deep and they made, or at least for me, cause they like, find out your patterns at first. I feel like there's that process of they get to know you. What is your pattern? And I was like, my pattern, I always say like, I am a lone wolf. I will go my own way. I do <laughs> Yay, that. But they make <laughs> you feel bad about it, right? Yeah. It's like, they you're selfish, you. <laughs> you're this, you're that. And I'm like, never, like, I get, I speak to so many people. I get actually the feedback from, let's say even my community on YouTube, people are like, 
I like how genuine you are. So I was like in conflict of like what I've heard people around me say to, I don't think I've ever heard people be like, you're selfish or this or that. Some things are like, I can't remember what else there was, but it's like, it didn't even like, you're manipulative. I was like, where? Like, in what, where are you even getting this from? <laughs> you, just, you just brought up a key point, Bendy. This is why I wanted you to go through this process. Because yeah. notice you said, in my YouTube community, I was seen one way. So yeah. this this knowledge that, no, you have so many people who have, have acknowledged that you're not that. So you're in here and they're telling you that you have cognitive dissonance. You're like, wait, what are you talking about? This is not because they hadn't broken you down enough. Because you see, when Carlos Castaneda, um, I have some of his books, but Carlos Castaneda came out in the 60s. Now, in human design, 1960 to 2027 is a big change. It's the end of a 400-year cycle. So I look back when Carlos Castaneda's books came out. He told followers that their paths would be smoother, your path would be smoother, if you are, quote, inaccessible to others, your family, your friends. So you see, if they had just, if you just, cut yourself off from YouTube and you were inaccessible to the reference points that your friends and family gave you, you'd be sucked into the cult, you see? Because they'll say it's smoother if you don't have the interference of other people, but you already had that. So that was your bastion, that was your gauntlet. Say like, screw, screw you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's so, I just found it so fascinating. I'm loving this whole conversation because I was, yeah, I was like, all the time I was like, ah, no, like, I was like, I don't care. Like, I will go my own way. Like, and then they're like, well, I can't remember, but it's just like, yeah, they find ways to make you feel like, well, you're, you're breaking your word because you've made a commitment to be here. That was another one. And I was like, my mind says, yes, I don't want to break a word to myself, but this also doesn't feel good. So I'm going to have to, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> what do we do? I, I didn't know I'm committing to, cause you don't know what's inside, right? Cause after as soon as I left, I did so much research, or at least just before that, I think, in those hours, I was like, okay, leadership trainings, leadership trainings, cult, yada, yada. And I started reading and it's like, it's all about, okay, how to know, secrecy. You do not tell anyone what's inside. No one can ever witness. You must not speak about it, yada, yada. Like, you know, the enrollment, you're going to have to enroll people, yada, yada. So there's like a lot of those things. And I was like, and it was just like, yep, this is it. <laughs> That's where I'm at right now. <laughs> you, have to pat, you have to pat yourself on the back and acknowledge that up until this point in your life, you've done the work and you've put the diligent effort to really empower yourself. Empower yourself so no one can strip that. It's genuine, authentic empowerment that, you've, that you are experiencing and this is a real time. So you can see being around humiliation, right? You were humiliated. How can you lead this? You you don't have the commitment? What are you talking about? But see, you had to enroll people, right? I didn't get that far in a program. I just had, once I left, I had plenty of people reaching out and they're like, oh, this is not feeling good for me, yada, yada. And I, I kind of knew, well, they told me what's happening, even though you're not supposed to. Yes. Um, like what's, what's happening in next stages. So yeah, there's, I mean. That's, that's very good. No, that's another thing you just brought up, secrecy. It's like, mm -hmm. you can't get to the promised land. There's stages, there's terrain you have to cross, but, but until you do what we say, you can't get there. So then you do what they say, oh, but no, gee, sorry, 
we can't let you see this. We'll let you see a little bit of it, but the real promised land is over here. And I'm not talking biblically. I'm talking about the conceptual vision, but I'm using you know biblical language, promised land, because people, people want, most people want to improve their lives, and that's a good thing. But most people do not have the same charisma, charisma that certain leaders have. And certain people are born to be charismatic, charismatic. And people love that. Why? Because there's energy. There's electromagnetic energy that that charismatic leader puts into the room and you can feel it, right? Yeah. yeah. It's electric. And then you get the group. I mean, that's, you know, church. You know, when you go into a church. I love going into church where everybody's singing. I mean, it's, it's incredible. There was this guy called Frederick Lenz, and he had a cult in the 80s. They were computers. And I have a good friend who was friends with Lenz when he was a little kid. They were in the sex and science club, and they'd go to this guy's basement in Stanford, Connecticut. And Lenz became a self-appointed a self -appointed cult leader. I think he donated like 400000 or some large sum of money to the Audubon Society in Greenwich. But anyway, Lenz required his followers to move every six months so they'd be nomads. So one thing about cults attract people that are more nomadic. They don't have a home. They don't have a partner. So they're moving from this place to this place. So they're not acquiring material goods. And if you do, they've got to be stuffed in a car or your airplane bag. Okay. So this is another thing. It's more mobile. And as we have become more mobile as a society, it can draw people into cults. Well, I'm going to fly to this place. Oh, no, now you have to live here. Now you have to do this. Now you have to do that. They're all different kinds of rules, but Bendy, you you were very fortunate because you could see it, and a lot of people can't see it. You look at them, and their eyes they they're they're, they're blocked. You can see it in their eyes. I think I'm maybe just uh, fortunate to be designed that way because I'm like that's what you know that's just how I operate all the time. Like do things by myself, trust myself. I will go whatever way feels right for me, and um, it wasn't particularly tough there once like again the seed is planted and you're like you see and um there because it was more leadership program there were i was among the group of like almost um put on a pedestal like you guys are already great leaders type of thing and i was like oh my god i can see what's gonna happen we're gonna have to lead the way we're gonna be the best salespeople. <laughs> i can see we're getting the praise like we you can already see it in us i was yes. like no 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 no. Yes. Yes. No, thank you. <laughs> yes. And, and to that, I don't want to put it, that you recognized the feeling of feeling good. Yes, you could be this, you could be that, right? And then the next stage would be that kind of humiliation. Now, I was in a yoga, you know, I've been doing yoga for some 40 years, and I went into be recertified, I'm not going to mention the person, to a very charismatic yoga person to get you know, certified in a, in a new hot yoga technique. Immersion is the word. Immersion in these groups. We can't do things on weekend because we don't want you to really integrate it into your life because it's not going to be as quick. And we got to move quickly because things are going quick. So we're going to give you 12-hour day. You're going to stay up late. And you better be here at 5 a.m. in the morning because this is going to show your devotion. And we want you to do this. And when you're tired, most fears are born of fatigue and loneliness. So this is the other thing the cult does. Raises the fear level that you're not going to achieve what they promised through fatigue and isolating you from people that normally you interact with. So that's another way that they can accelerate you into their web. It's like a web. Mm -hmm. And so I was in this 
people would never say it was a cult, but I knew it was a cult when I went there. So I'm in this cult and the leader's in front of like 200 people. And he says, anyone who crosses me or challenges me always meets a tragedy. Yeah. Business doesn't work or this. And one thing about cult is that leaving the group will include threats of personal tragedies, cancer, car crashes. This is an extreme, but I have heard it. Or uh, lack of business success. Because again, these are known fears. You know, fear of loneliness, fear of inadequacy, fear that life has no meaning, fear of authority. But now I have authority I really like. It's going to give my my meaning. I don't feel inadequate anymore. I've got tomorrow set up. I can resolve my past. They're going to be very good at dealing with fears along the way. And they stitch a tight fabric that's a net that just captures you. We've got you now. So again, applauding you, Fendi, because it's not, it's not I want to talk, it's not easy leaving a cult. When I, I had that experience that I had been in and the damage it caused, if you're in a cult for a while, there is damage. You have to be able to retreat, reflect without recriminations. You cannot beat yourself up. No guilt, no shame. You have to take a couple of deep breaths and you have to work gradually to reconnect with the people that you love. And those people that are true friends will be there for you. But it's the need to pull back and say, oh my God, I was wrong. Because there's something in the human psyche that empowers when they say, I'm right. By God, I'm right. That's we move into the absolutes. Instead of saying, well, this is how I see it. This is correct for me. But but the absolutes in terms of that, oh my God, a shame, or I, I look at myself, who am I? A lot of people cannot cannot go through that process. That's why I asked how you experienced that because you were at the beginning and you could see that because yeah. you've done enough things in self-empowerment. And look at that. Your family was there. They pointed yeah. it out. Now, yeah. if you said secrecy, don't tell your family. Don't tell your friends. Don't let them know what you're into. <laughs> but when you're living with them or you're visiting them and you've got dark circles under your eyes and you haven't eaten and you've got a homework assignment so there's no sleep, they're going to say, hey, what's going? What are you doing? Because yeah. they care. Yeah. It's, <laughs> yeah. And again, it's so dangerous because you see, again, a couple of again, NLP is just a tool and a couple of exercises. I was like, you know what? This was actually helpful for me. But for other people... There's not enough, at least in this program, there's not enough, let's say, experience support. So, because we were always in different groups, building the community element, and there were some people when they came back from the exercise, I can't mention the details because of obviously massive mm -hmm. secrecy and confidentiality, mm -hmm. um, but basically they said, uh, not quite literally, but what they didn't, something along the lines of like, oh, they went through an exercise and they realized they didn't really want to live. And I was like... I am not a therapist, not even equipped. Like, I don't know how to handle this. And the people supporting you, the people of the program are not therapists either. And they've just been through the program themselves. And they are just, that's it. They've just been through, I would say, the brainwashing themselves. Um, and I was like, that like hit me. Cause I was like, oh, well, first of all, we have to like really uplift these people to be like, of course you want to live. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I was like, do you even, do you guys know what you're doing? Because this is, I don't think they're aiming to create 
I don't know, I wasn't there long enough to create a cult, but they're just cult behaviors, I would say, for sure, in the program. But like the level of damage you can do, insanity, insanity. Like, I, I, especially because it wasn't just one person. I was like, you know, we all go through one exercise. It is, it was very like, it was tough, right? I was bawling out. They, they break you down emotionally. Um, but hearing that, that was just like, oh my God, oh my God. You know, like, yeah. what are we supposed to say to help, you know? I'm going to offer that they, they know they're a cult because there's specific mm -hmm. patterns that draw mm -hmm. people in. And people, this is about power. This is about power, power through money or power through manipulating people. It's about energy. It's about money. And, and you can, anyone who strips a person down like that in an organization is a psychopath. I don't care. And if someone's not trained as a therapist to know how delicate it is to go in those dark areas, it really makes me angry because it's pop psychology and people thinking that they can be trained because one-on-one, -on -one, when you're working with people, you have to have respect for that other person and you're acting from a higher level of frequencies saying, this person has a perfection inside of them. Let's reconnect them to what's real, what's uplifting, just what you said. And when they go in and strip you down, we call it the stripping process. Think of beautiful mountains, green, it's supporting flowers and trees, and in come the strip miners. And they take the mountain off and they go down and dig, dig, dig. And what they're doing is they're putting triggers in you. They're putting triggers. They're getting you in a vulnerable state. And they're saying, you're really a piece of the lowly, lowly worm. Keeping my language pristine. You're really a lonely worm. Lonely and lowly, both of those. But we can just follow our pattern and we're going to uplift you. So you'll never have these feelings again. But that's a trigger because somewhere in the psyche, you're like, I have to stay with this program or I'm going to feel these feelings. Mm. Different ways and they put it in. And I don't think anyone has that skill unless they've really been trained by the best and they're intuitively gifted to be therapeutic and really love and respect the higher knower within every person. Otherwise, you're just dealing with the, the, the mind. And remember, secrecy and compartmentalization is another key. I just looked at every cult and I say, okay, who's got the money? Who's making the money? Where is it? Show me the money. Show me the power trip. And you're going to see it. Now, it's not for every group. There are a lot of groups where the leaders sort of push you away. They give you the techniques because they really want to empower you. But remember, depending where you are in your psyche and consciousness and self-love, what happens is you can take the tools that that leader who was really not a cult leader, you can take those tools. And now you can say, okay, now I got the power, baby. I'm going to use these tools and I'm just going to pull all that energy toward me. So, it, you know, we're in a binary. We're good, evil. So the cult, power and money. And it's a lot in some of these new age communities. And it's a lot in the corporations. Because even, again, you don't want to look, be separated and see people with this intersectionality stuff. Okay, so I'll say about that. You want to say, who's pulling the strings? You want to look vertically because there's no end to hierarchies and the hierarchies separate. And that's what happens in a cult. Someone's pulling the strings up here. This person's doing this. These people are doing this. These people are doing this. And they fight for attention from the top. But who's pulling the strings? Got to look at who's the puppet master. Oh, so, yeah, I was uh, doing some Googling about like dark psychology after this as well. I was like, I need to understand what's going on here because that's the only way you're going to notice, Yes, you know, 
And even I heard other people who also left and then they reached out to me. Um, first of all, I didn't, again, I was like, I was just, I was seeing how the other person comes to me. I'm like, I'm not gonna plant a seed. I will see where you're at. But like they had noticed the patterns, but they also stay, right? It, that's the crazy thing. We see the NLP, which again, it's just a tool. We see something doesn't feel right. Something's off, but you stay. Because there's also that, let's say financial investment, right? It's a leadership mm -hmm. program. We enrolled because we all had whatever our own goals that we wanted to achieve through the program. And you're like, but I just paid for it. What do you mean I'm going to leave in six days, you know? Or when it's like, like a whole program. Yeah, there's that commitment. Plus what you said, who wants to admit to themselves that That's they the got part. trick? That's the hardest part because they're arrogant to say, even if they were in a cult, they're not going to say anything. They're going to seal that wound and not learn from it. Because part of the human experiential process is to go through something, experience it, and then reflect on it. You know, this is when we talk about self-reflective consciousness, the ability to look at your actions, reflect on them, not necessarily judge them, assess them. You know, judgment can imply hurting yourself, because sometimes you can say, what the heck did I do? Because you don't know, but as you mature, you become more sensitive to the dynamic of the human community and the frailties of the human community and the frailties that you have. We're all human, but we can be manipulated and we can be used for other people's advantage. And and again, I love government for the people, by the people, not the government telling the people what to do. And so this goes at all different levels. That's why I say, don't look left or right. Look at the hierarchy. Yes. You've got two-party system, you're in deep trouble because now the puppet master is controlling both parties. You've got two pink and purple people. Who's controlling, you know, this? Mm -hmm. Who have money and people are trying to secure power. And so a cult is no different because we have the microcosm, which just kind of flowers into the macrocosm. But it's yes. not an easy lesson. So this is why, this is, I don't care if you paid 40000 It was the best money you paid because you learned this. This means you are now mastering, this is not, these are not ideas. You're mastering the frequency. See, NLP is pretty good because it shows the body, but this is like a puppet again. You haven't mastered the frequencies that each of these things mean. The frequencies are where the game is played. Because it's like subconscious and you don't know that you're being worked on type yes, of thing. because the frequencies are accessed from your body, not the mind. It's a, because we're in a consciousness field and we're interacting with it. The mind is always going to keep us in the matrix. You know, that whole red pill analogy is out of the matrix. But all those Mr. Smiths going after that guy, those are all the people in the cult. You're leaving? What are you doing? You're not loyal? And then you go back to that feeling of being stripped down, isolated, your piece that you that lowly worm. And then you might say, okay, I give up. But you didn't. You had that experience, but something didn't feel right. There was a knower in here. Didn't feel right. I wasn't as, <clears throat> as empowered as you. When I went in, I was not, I did not understand this. But I look back at it as a seminal event in my life because it was so deep, so profound, so much loss, so much whatever, that in order to get out of that, I had to work with the best. It was an incredible gift. All of a sudden, I'm with Herb Rosedale, this other doctor whose name I won't mention, who you know worked at Mount Sinai in New York. And then I meet Eckhart Tolle personally, several years. And then Ra, it was like, okay, she's such a friggin' mess. 
you better give her the best surgeons, psychic, spiritual, practical, to sort of help her unravel all these misconnections in her brain. So I view it as probably the greatest gift in my life. But there are other people who say, were you in a cult? No. And I'm saying, you're in a freaking cult right now, but it's a different one. Can't you see it? <laughs> and I have mentioned, I, and that's why I put our episode, Human Design episode, like I speed it up. I was like, we got to shoot this. We, I got to get it out. And I yeah. like sent it to anyone who had reached out to me. Yeah. Um, and I was like, just, I was like, don't listen to me. Don't <laughs> listen to them. I'm like, it's like, it's your body, right? Like, yes. Tune into your body. Like, you're going to know if you're getting in a key feeling, I actually encourage you to explore that. So that's what, that's the one thing I kept mentioning to everyone, like human design, it's just a tool, but it's like, it's for you to tap in. If something's off, listen to that. Because there is like, um, in terms of beliefs, people are sharing that they feel like they're not going to achieve their goals if they're going to leave, if they're not going to have that accountability, you mm -hmm. know, yada, yada. Um, you know, maybe I, again, it is my pattern. I'm like, for better or for worse, I'm like, I don't need anyone. <laughs> it doesn't serve me in all areas in life. Okay. It doesn't, it does serve me in business. Yes. Um, cause I don't, I have a lack of trust. Let's be real. I'm not mm -hmm. like, I love to be in control. Mm -hmm. I don't trust as easily. And I'm like, Whoa, I don't like to be controlled. Like you'll trigger me with that. As soon as like, I feel triggered that someone's controlling me, I'm out. Like you will see me <laughs> run away. I'm like, stop this. <laughs> so, so then, let's look at this. This is another trigger in, in the, what do I say? In the ideas floating around there, the idea of control freak, he's a control freak. You know, we, each of us, if we're honest, we want to control our lives. And one reason I think that this idea of their control freak, oh, you're just trying to control things, is so we can disempower the whole world so certain people can take everything from us because we've surrendered. And mm -hmm. I think that, not I think, I know when you're empowered, other people can view it as you're, you're control freak. No, you're empowered. Mm -hmm. You're not going to be manipulated by, by someone that makes you a lowly worm or wants to tell you something. Oh, you're just this or you're that. And with all this pop stuff on the on the computer, people think they know other people. And we're, we're like a big projection field, projecting on each other, you know, who we are. And as you become more compassionate toward yourself, you can be more compassionate toward others. It doesn't work any other way. And so when you know that you have to be in control and you don't trust, you're going to respect other people because you're not going to let the let's say people in that want to manipulate or control you. That's healthy. That's healthy. So I don't consider that a danger at all. And other people will respect that. You know, in terms of a cult, another way I looked at it is Bucky Fuller. You know, talked about the processional or the butterfly effect. That, you know, the bee is going to go get some nectar so he can, or the bee, I don't want to anthropomorphize it. The bee goes and gets the flower and says, ooh, this is good nectar, and then takes it back to the honeycomb. He's not thinking about pollinating and bringing this whole floral meadow into existence. You go to a leadership and you've got this goal. I'm just going to go get the nectar, the truth of this leadership, so I can be more empowered and more effective in what I do. Because you have this deep passion to help other people and to inspire other people to live a full life, right? That's you. I mean, I, yes, that's you. That's your experience of me. I never see myself. <laughs> yes, but, but I'm, just, I'm going from human design, okay? Yeah. And so, so, but then 
all of a sudden you're uh, not 90 degree angry angle to what you thought you were going to get now you're learning all about cults if someone said to you a year ago about cults you'd probably say that's interesting it's not me now let me go do this right yeah. But this is why unintended results, this is why goals can be very dangerous in some way. Because if you don't get that goal from your perception of what you want to achieve, you can feel like a failure. Oh my God, I paid 20000 for this class and I dropped halfway out. So you feel like a failure. Instead of saying, oh, there was a higher purpose for this. Let me look rather than back and forth and let me see what that was. And then this is part of the piece of empowerment. Don't get caught in someone else's power trip. Yeah, I, I, I mean, that was that's what I immediately felt like the next day. First of all, I felt like, oh, alive. I can breathe. Yes, this is great. Thank God. Secondly, like I always at least I have trained myself to go to gratitude. Yes. Whether, not that I want to repeat the experience, but I'm always find something to be grateful for. And like that's like the next day I messaged you. I was like, Barbara, we got to do this episode. People need this. And I would have known because I had no experience. Exactly. You know? And I was like, this is actually for sure great. And um, and it just, oh, yeah, making it very visible of how, how we need to more trust ourselves and our body and how hard it is because we have our own stories in our mind or someone planted those stories and you spin them and we all want to be successful in some ways you know different people went there for different things whether it's like relationships or business or whatever and it's like you feel like probably you're giving up on your dreams right like you're not you're not following through this is what you always do you're never gonna make it type of thing and I'm like, yes, you will. <laughs> what go are you back, talking about? Go back to that experience of being humiliated in this leadership workshop, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Now yes, that's yes. Part, of, part of your experience. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And so let's let's look at this, Vendi. When you started this podcast, what was your goal? Oh, I just, um, I don't think I had a specific goal. I just felt called to do this. I was like, okay. I want to have these conversations. I've had behind the scenes all this time. I'm like, I want to talk about this. And I just... I, I needed to talk about what I wanted to talk about online. I couldn't hide, mm-hmm. not even hide behind, but just talk about marketing anymore. I was like, mm-hmm. let's let's talk this. This is the reality mm-hmm. <laughs> of the world. Yes, and be- look at this. You had the marketing background where you really have mastered that. You know, so that gives you the potential to reach a broad audience. And then you say you just want to have deep conversations. That was the intention. It mm-hmm. wasn't a conceptualization of what it would look like. It's like, let's just have a conversation, see where it goes. But out of that intention was a certain purity, because I remember several years ago when you asked me, was there a book that compared all the different philosophies and religions and things like that, right? So that was a seed that had been planted, a longing. And then all of a sudden, let's have conversations. And then you get into this workshop. So experientially, I said, okay, Bendy, you want conversations? Let's give you an experience first. So then you can bring a different kind of conversation in, right? Yeah. No, <laughs> yeah. Look, at, look at the potential of the people that you can reach from this conversation that can say, oh, my God, I might be in a cult. Let me text Bendy. Tell me about your experience. You know, And then you could have conversations with people about their cult experience, and you're going to find they all follow a pattern because we are in a patterned universe, even if it appears chaotic. You know, it's uh, there's an order even within the chaos. So even within the chaos of everything that's within a cult, there's an order there behind that chaos. Mm. And you 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 stepped into the experience, but you're empowered in your exit. 
not disempowered. And that's the beauty in your experience. Oh, yeah. I, again, very grateful for the whole thing. Um, it's given that, as you said, if you're going to go to a person and say, hey, Barbara, you're in a cult, <laughs> they're going to be like, no, I'm not. You know, they're not going to accept it for the most part. How can someone, if you see your friend, your loved one, someone's in that place that doesn't feel quite right, how do you even have that conversation to plant the seed for them to question where they're at? You know, obviously they care about that person. They think they're going down the wrong track, but they don't want to trigger them. Because if you trigger them and then they cut you off, that's not going to change anything. How would one approach this? I'd say, how are you feeling about this? Is it helping you? Is it helping you? Now, I tend to be a little, uh, what do I want to say? I have little barbs that I'll pull out. And I'll say, have they humiliated you yet? <laughs> the, reason, the reason I'll say, have you felt humiliated yet? Is because that's a key. Humiliation. Either like you don't have what you need or you can't get what you need unless you do this. So I can say that because I kind of know I've done this for a while. You know, I say, well, have you been humiliated yet? But I would say this is, have you reached your goals? Are the goals in alignment with you? Is it really giving you that what you want? And then I'd say, how much money are you paying for this? Is it really worth it? And then I'd find out what it is. And I would, as a friend, I'd research the leader. I'd ask around. Mm. Because it's really important because, again, the, this is a sophisticated pattern. It's like baking a cake. Pull the cake. You can... You can put the flour, the sugar, the butter, the leavening agent, and you put it into a certain heat and you bake it. It's a pattern. And people know cult patterns. They may not be conscious of it, but we are all patterned. Human design is a mapping of how this logical patterning plays out in the world. And I've seen it so much, I don't question it now. And that's why I would say, I would say, had they humiliated you yet? Because it's such a like, what are you talking about? You know, people, I'd say, I, what, what are you getting out of this? Is it really, is, are you excited about it? Because remember, it's the build up and then slap. And the slap can be subtle. The slap can be very, very subtle. Or it can be pretty dramatic. But it is a slap. That's why, that's why I love the movies where to wake someone up, you slap across the face. You know, wake them up to get them out of the trance. That's why I look at a cult more as a cultivation of a process of entrapment, mm -hmm. of disempowerment, of alienation from people that you love. But ultimately, it's an alienation from the power within. So how do they tap back into that power within? Sometimes they have to find someone who recognizes and can respect and kind of guide them out of that. And that's the, that's the challenge is to find the right person. Because oftentimes, that's the most difficult thing. And oftentimes, they've gone too far. You know, um, there are political groups that create compromising situations that people get in. And because they're in these compromising situations, they now become tools for the overlords to do their bidding. That can happen in a cult where something happens. I think there was that sex cult in New York where all these women were like sex slaves or something like that. And see, a lot of people would never admit it because of what are they doing? They're demeaning themselves. But to the world, they're they're okay. So it's it's a real what we call a deep programming process. But it has to be done with love. It has to be done um, based on the other person. Some people need a slap. Wake up. 
and other people just need a nice hug and cry and say, you're okay. But usually you need people who've been through a cult and have have been able to reflect on it without recriminations, learn from it in a very deep way, and then kind of being able to pull the threads to bring a person out of it. It's very difficult, very difficult, because we're conditioned from birth. We're conditioned through our diet, through our schools, through our parents. It's not all bad, but but sometimes it can be very abusive. And with this problem that happened in 2020, there was a lot of, it was designed for trauma. So you could say the world is in trauma right now. And so people that were immune to that because they could see the bigger picture, those are the people that can really help people, you know, move out of that. But usually you've got to find someone who's experienced. If you want to have someone manage your money, you want to go to someone who sees the big picture, not just an agent for an agency that can manage money. You want to see the whole global cycle. Where's the money going? Is it precious metals? Is it digital currency? Is it fiat money, all that. You want someone who has a broad perspective. So the broad perspective doesn't bring judgment in like you're good or bad. It can assess the situation and know how deep you got into that cult. Where are you? See, you were in the first wave and they tried to get you down. See, some people would have been broken from your experience. And then they would have said, okay, help me, help me. (laughs) I mean, I know that one. So let's let's end on human design because we mentioned yeah. it multiple times. So for those, because where we're really going with this is that it's not going to be the elder authority. Yes, there are some people who have been through a cult might help you mm-hmm. get out of it. Reach out mm-hmm. to those people, people maybe who left before you, right? Yes. Reach out to them, have conversations. Though we're talking about it's inner authority, right? Yeah. It's it's not following an idol, someone else, someone who has all the answers. Like we're mm-hmm. we're saying. Answers are within us. So how can someone use that tool of human design? And of course, I will link the episode. We literally did one and a half hours about it. I'll put that in the show notes, but Mm -hmm. just give give a guiding idea of how that tool might help someone decondition themselves almost. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I I was raised a non-dualist. In other words, the frequency or the world above good and evil. That's how I was raised. And then I got in this hot mess. And then I had to learn the rules of yin and yang, good and evil, male, female, masculine, feminine energies. Let's put it that way. And from that, I ended up feeling lost because I didn't know where I fit in. So you can learn all of these things, but where do you fit in? Human design is an individual map of how your frequency connects you to a bigger picture of how you are to live your life. It's your bigger picture. No one else knows that. The guru doesn't know it. The priest doesn't know it. The uh, rabbi doesn't know it. The mother, father, they don't know it. Um, And so if you are a child and have parents that know human design, and I work with parents that have children, they can call up and say, oh, this. And at the end of the session, they're understanding that there's nothing wrong with their child. They're different from the parents. And it gives them a map of their uniqueness. Very simple. They don't have to be special. They're unique. So how can you compare uniqueness to uniqueness? Now that's a good thing to meditate on. If something's unique and unique, how can you compare? Can't compare. Can't compare. So, So it brings out your uniqueness and gives you a path in which you can make decisions because you make decisions because life is about one decision after the other. But here's the key. 
Fendi, it takes decision-making out of the realm of the mind. doesn't mean the mind doesn't sort, look at things and whatever, but ultimately the decision is a frequency in your body that's connecting you like an umbilical cord to a higher frequency. Some people could call it the fifth dimension. We're in the third dimension. Fourth dimension could be the demonic realm. Okay? So this takes you out of this. Uh, uh, uh. This is why I will say think of ascendancy. Think of hierarchies. Think of lifting up, not separating yourself and what's going back and forth. So mm-hmm. human design breaks that kind of back and forth, yes or no. And it's like you don't know where you're going to go. So you have to trust the flow in your life that there is an opportunity for you to express that connection, whatever it is. So this mind map tells it's a logical, empirical method by which you can experience your uniqueness. I'll say it again. It's logical. It's empirical. You can test it. You can live it. And then you can experience what makes you unique. And the only reason I teach it, when I got into it, I said, is this a freaking cult? (laughs) I went through my checklist. I said, is this a cult? Do I have to pay money? Well, I did for classes, but that's what you do. But it passed. It was like two or three years, but I kept learning. And then I found what was actually happening. My life was changing, not to connect me to a girl. It was connecting more to this this knowing inside of me. And a whole different business world, a whole different life opened up. But it's gradual. It's a process. It's not overnight. It's not overnight. So that's why it worked for me. So I said, I was so messed up. If I am that messed up and I can get to a point where I'm feeling really grateful and being able to watch what's going on and to be able to be in service and help other people, it's the best feeling of being aware that you can possibly have. So that's why, you know, meditation, yoga, all these are wonderful tools. Human design is another tool. Some people use a tool, some people don't. It's not saying you must follow this tool. Mm-hmm. If you don't, your life is going to crumble. It's not for everybody. It's a frequency. But I have found the people that I've worked with, and I've done this 20-plus years, they come back. Their lives have, have really changed because they're not in the clutches of someone else. They're beginning to move. It's about enlightened selfishness. It's about self-love. And it means don't give yourself away to love if you don't love yourself. Don't give yourself away. That's why. Not trusting is good. Test. See, does this feel right or not? And don't, you know, any kind of relationship, if you don't love yourself, it's a distorted relationship. Because now you're in this projection, this, this. It just gets very uncomfortable. Beautiful. Love this conversation. Totally worth my experiential (laughs) six days um, in the program. So for anyone who would love your support and... Either it's with called interventions or human design or just having a conversation about helping a loved one of theirs. How yes. can they reach out? Um, my website, uh, which would be humandesignconsultations.com. The reason that I use the human design is I can look at their chart. I'm also trained as an astrologer, but I use the human design chart to say, okay, where are the strengths? How do we how do we acknowledge that yes, they're in this experience, but what can we point them toward that will begin to break the chains that are holding them or the self-hatred or the conditioning that's keeping them entrapped. I need that map because it's not like, it's not as though I know. I know for myself, I don't know for the other person. I want to look at their imprint. 
and then I can give them uh, guidance for them to understand their truth, which they are going to arrive at through experiential, uh, you know, the experience of being human. So it's empowering them, not empowering me. It's empowering them. Love this. Love this conversation so much, Barbara. Thank you again for coming onto the show. This is beautiful. I love doing this podcast, honestly. Best thing. Thank you, Wendy, for, for venturing into the world of cults. <laughs> Yay. Yes. Had to happen, I guess. Had to be yes. a part of the journey for me yes. to learn. Absolutely. Thank you, Wendy, for the invitation. I really enjoyed the opportunity to share what I've experienced because it was a deep experience. So I had to really learn the nuances, not through reading a book, but through working with some professionals and saying, oh my God, I did this. I was this, this, this. Yeah. So good. Beautiful. Well, I'm going to say until next time, because I feel like the there time. shall be the next time. <laughs> Thank you. Bye-bye.